Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A daily look at sports from our resident historian. Your sports break during your lunch break. Live. From the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios, here's Charles Hanegriff. And we welcome you in to Handy Time 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Charles Hanegriff along with Mario Jerez, Taylor Sharp. Taylor, you look better today. I, I feel better today. Do you really? Yeah, I feel like are a new man. Saying, are you just saying that or do you really believe that? No, I believe it. I'm getting better every day. Okay. That's, uh, that's good. You know, it's going to be a, a long, long off season. You know, I'm sure that the uh, the Dak Prescott question will come up more than once, right? Hey, look, Zeke's doing his part. He already took a pay cut this morning. Said, "I'm, I'm in." Of course, Zeke's not as good as he used to be either. We'll see. <laughs> uh, busy show uh, today. Dwayne Colucci with us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll talk about the, the action on the uh, divisional round plus the AFC ch- and NFC championship games, which at least for now, are still at on-site, uh, on-site, uh, on-site stadiums. How ridiculous is it that they're thinking about going to neutral sites for this? And the proposal was floated by the Chiefs, who will be floating, who will be hosting their fifth, fifth consecutive AFC Championship game uh, this week. Also, the Hall of Fame, uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, voting is tonight. We'll talk with Gil Leberton, who has uh, been a long time. Hall of Fame voter, uh, a longtime sports writer with uh, uh, in in Dallas and Fort Worth. He'll be with us. Uh, he'll uh, let us know what uh, what the vote looks like and who may be going into the hall tonight. Uh, so we'll uh, have both of those uh, guests for you a little bit later on in the hour. I did. I wanted to start though uh, today. So there's two stories coming out of my absolute favorite place in the world. Right? Where's my favorite place in the world? Tuscaloosa, thank you very much. Thank you for playing. Um, two stories coming out of Tuscaloosa. The first one uh, is that Bill O'Brien is moving back to uh, a, a offensive coordinator with the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick uh, apparently decided that having an offensive coordinator is not a bad idea after all. So he is uh, he's moving back to the NFL, which means that Nick Saban is looking for an offensive and a defensive coordinator. Um, coaching changes happen. I'm not the least bit concerned that Alabama will continue to be really, really good. This is not one of the, oh, is this a chicken? It is not. Uh, he's had six OCs in the last eight years. The last, the last year he did something similar to this offensively, I would say, was 2014. 
when they had Blake Sims. They've got a similar player to Blake Sims and Jalen Milrow uh, right now. Blake Sims going into the 2014 season had completed 23 of 39 passes for 244 yards and two touchdowns. Milrow has completed 31 of 58 for 297 yards and five touchdowns. So you talk and Milrow, like Sims, was a quarterback by necessity more so than by choice. He's a, a fantastic athlete, and frankly, they'd rather have him probably out on the perimeter somewhere. But if Milrow does end up being a quarterback, and I don't know, they'll go find a coordinator. In 2014, they went and found Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin tutored Blake Sims. Blake Sims broke the record for passing. They brought in a junior college quarterback named Jake Coker. They were hoping that he would you know, be the guy so that Sims could play somewhere else. Sims beat him out, and they, they got on down the road. I don't really want to talk about Bill O'Brien. What I want to talk about is this thing that they're building over in Tuscaloosa. So uh, it was announced today that Learfield, who is this you know, multimedia giant, okay, they, have, they, they hold the media rights for roughly 100 schools uh, and, and a lot of the, the, the bigger schools. Uh, they come in, they, and LSU's got this too with a, a company called Playfly, but they, they come in, they purchase all of your multimedia rights, they pay the school, then they go out and they sell the advertising, they sell the signage, they sell the, uh, the, the radio rights, they sell... Uh, in some cases, the pro the game programs, although that you know has been phased out a little bit. Uh, so every school has got a a deal. Every Power Five has got a deal with somebody, either Learfield or somebody like Learfield. It was announced yesterday that Learfield is doing a 15 year agreement with Alabama. A little long for the industry, but not anything completely out of whack. Uh, you know, LSU's done some 10 year deals in this uh, in this space, so not uh, not really anything strange yet then you get to what they're going to build they are going to build something called the advantage center this is a dedicated hub for name image and likeness and it is the first one that will be built uh in uh since the since the nil became the the rule of the land they're going to open this thing before the end of 2023 it's going to be located inside of the stadium Learfield's going to use this for offices but what they really like about this thing is what they're going to use it for with the kids so the first thing they're building is this studio with this giant green screen so that if you want to shoot a video you can go in with the latest technology and jazz up your nil video for the players that are actually you know, doing NIL videos and not just taking the money. But um, there's a digital tracker that's going to be in there. There's a wall dedicated to NIL deals. There is a meeting place. A meeting place. Hello, Mr. CEO. Step into my office here at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Let's sit down. Can I get you some coffee? Okay. So all of those things are, are going to be in there. On the side of this Advantage Center, there's going to be, <laughs> they learned this from Disney, right? There's a gift shop. Okay, you put them on you, you put them on Space Mountain. You make them walk through the gift shop on the way out. The kids scream. You got to buy them something. Okay, this is as old as the Constitution. So they put a gift shop right on the side of it, so that after you go and meet with the athletes, then you walk through the gift shop and you buy your Bryce Young jersey, right? And Bryce Young, of course, gets a a slice of the profits. Okay, um, Learfield said there's no company better suited than ours to facilitate. NIL were connected to over 10,000 brands. Now, what's the problem here? Actually, there's a lot of problems. (laughs) 
The first problem is that the NCA and the SEC said last year when NIL became the law of the land, don't do this. Don't build this. Don't. We don't know what the long-term rules and regulations are going to be for NIL, so please don't build one of these things. And Alabama, as they usually do, went, <laughs> they waited a little while at least, but now they, you know, look, we're, not, we're not waiting anymore. Learfield is over 100 schools, pretty big schools on that list, schools with national championships on that list, schools with massive, massive athletic budgets. Why is Alabama first? Because they pushed for it. Don't do that. We don't care. We're building this. You keep up if you want to. Why? Because any type of regulation on NIL has slowed to a standstill if it ever had any forward momentum in the first place. Well, you remember the, hey, we'll wait for the midterms. Midterms were three months ago. You seeing any movement on this? If they're waiting for, they're still waiting for Congress to swoop in and save them with some regulations i don't see it i am curious as to what the league thinks about this because it seems like every day in college athletics there's less and less power to the ncaa and more and more power to the individual leagues that's why everybody's watching with great anticipation who's going to be the next commissioner of the big 10 because he's going to have the second most powerful spot in college sports behind uh, greg sankey in Big Ten country, they tell you it's the most powerful spot in collegiate sports, but we're, we're splitting hairs there. So the next thing you want to know is, is LSU building one of these things? Well, the answer is not yet. LSU has, you know, in their NIL uh, ramp up, largely gone with the digital space and not the physical space. Doesn't mean they can't build one. It's just that at the moment, uh, they're not. Now, I think you're going to see probably as early as next week, a pretty big announcement coming out of LSU in terms of their collective. Uh, the collectives have largely been out of the public space up to this point, meaning in, in layman's terms, if you were a big businessman and you wanted to be part of the collective, you could be. It was going to require you to put up a lot of money to be one of, part of one of these collectives, and it was going to help LSU get players. I think you've seen evidence of that it's not really hard to see but what the collectives haven't done so far at lsu is include every man so if you wanted to donate a smaller amount of money there'll be a place for that to go to i would be worried about this as being uh the uh, this is going to really be hard on on taf because if you have a choice on where to spend your money now to donate your money to lsu uh are you going to donate it to taf which is you know done a great job over the years with service and facilities or do you want to give it to the nil collective so that the players get it let me clue you in on something the players used to be really into facilities okay it's got, oh wow this place is nice now they walk in and go oh wow this place is really nice nice waterfall where's my money so are you going to de- donate your money to the nil to get players or are you going to donate your money for uh you know for facilities like this facility that alabama is building uh, it's it's going to be a uh, just a whole nother. We used to call it the arms race, uh, the the facilities arm race in the Southeastern Conference. Now it's the NIL race, where how many how many dollars can you get into your NIL collectives? How can you best get players uh, to you know get these NIL dollars? And how do you facilitate the whole thing through the university without running afoul of what's left of the NCAA or 
in this case, the, the Southeastern Conference. LSU is also in the, uh, in the middle of you know, the studies on some of their facilities overhaul. Most of that has been around the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, and, and that continues to go. Could those facilities uh, upgrades include something like what Alabama is building? Yeah, it could. Probably will eventually. But for now, uh, they're not. Want to go to groundbreaking? Can we, can, we, can we go to the groundbreaking for the Advantage Center? Wouldn't that be uh, a lot of fun? Yikes. Don't build that. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> We're on down the road, man. <laughs> we already broke ground. We'll take a break uh, here. This is Hanny Time, 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. This is Hanny Time. Accurate and infinity of Baton Rouge. is uh, Again, we begin uh, the uh, 2023 model year. We remind you it's 3.9% APR for 60 months on most of your models. $1,000 loyalty cash on all your MDXs and TLXs. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle. The certified pre-owned selection is huge right now. Seven years, 100,000 mile powertrain coverage, roadside assistance, which is perfect. Uh, if you've got older or younger drivers that uh, really would need it, would really be in a bind if something happened. Uh, your first scheduled maintenance is free and complimentary uh, service vehicles while your vehicle is being maintenanced. Two-year, 24,000-mile complimentary scheduled maintenance on all 2023 models. You add in transparency in pricing and the family atmosphere. That's why I'm buying my next vehicle once again from Acura and Infinity of Baton Rouge. In times of need, get a full list of phone numbers, web full list of phone numbers. Closest to the pen and hole in one with a chance to win awesome prizes, including a car. There's going to be delicious food and an open bar. To sign up for this year's 34th annual Dreams Come True Golf Tournament, March 27th at University Club, or become a sponsor, visit dctofla.com. That's dctofla.com. This is Annie Time with Charles Hanegriff on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. All right. All right. We ran over with uh, Colucci, so we are out of time. Arkansas tonight is probably the uh, play. LSU just really, really struggling right now. See you tomorrow. Gordy Rush along with Ben Lede from Infinity of Baton Rouge. Happy New Year. And in 2023, Infinity Pre-Owned will be the best place to find pre-owned this is Annie Time with Charles Hanegriff on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Hall of Fame voting uh, will be released tonight. This is the first year uh, post Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, uh, you know, being on the ballot. They ran out of uh, eligibility last year. So this, uh, Kurt Schilling as well, this doesn't have quite the oomph uh, as far as this ballot, but I am, I'm always interested in who's getting in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Gil Leberton is a longtime Hall of Fame voter and columnist with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. He joins us now. Gil, good afternoon. How are you? Doing fine, Charles. How are you? It's, it's, let me tell you, it's a pleasure and an honor to, to get to talk to you. You guys are my station of choice here in Texas where they have three sports talk stations, and it's 24-7, Cowboys, 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 and I hate it. <laughs> well, the pleasure's mine, Gil, but uh, you, you say stuff like that, and my, uh, my video producer, Taylor Sharp, is going to be sending you a resume because he's a diehard <laughs> Cowboy fan. So, uh, you know, to each his own. Shame I, on him. Yeah, to each his own, I suppose. Uh, Gil, let's talk about who might get in tonight. It seems to me that uh, the two most likely players to get in are Scott Rowland and 
uh, and Billy Wagner. But you tell me uh, what you think. 75% of the vote needed to get in. Who's most likely to be inducted tonight? I think probably Scott Rowland and Todd Helton. That seems to be uh, that seems to be with the way the vote is. The preliminary uh, results are going. You know, uh, a guy named Ryan Thibodeau uh, has a uh, Twitter account where he keeps track of uh, the early ballots from people that have released their um, that have made their ballots public. Uh, this year, I don't know why. Must have been a moment of madness. I released. I sent him my my ballot. I was probably one of the first five people to return theirs this year. I don't know why, because when you do that and you make it public, you hear from every Yankee fan in the world that wants to know why you didn't vote for Andy Pettit, why you didn't vote for some backup Yankee infielder that they certainly should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, the Yankee fans are the worst. Uh, but, yeah, I got mine in early, and I voted for seven this year. All right, so let's talk about Roland. He seems like the most uh, likely to get in. He's just over 2,000 hits, but it seems like to me, uh, you know, his his war, his, uh, you know, wins above replacement uh, is ninth highest among third basemen. But it seems to me that Roland is really getting in based on the based on his defense. He had eight gold gloves uh, over the course of his career. Watching him as a hitter, I wasn't, I, I didn't think I was watching a Hall of Fame hitter. I did think I was watching a Hall of Fame fielder. Is that why you voted for him? Yeah, and and I think the fact too that he um, he played in seven All Star games, he got eight Gold Gloves. He, I think he ended up with a career OPS of over eight eight fifty five. And I, you know, I thought he was a good enough hitter, uh, an All Star hitter, and then certainly he was a transcendent uh, glove guy. So uh, I, to me, he was he was one of the best at his position in the long time that he played. And he, to me, he kind of rose up to, up the ballot for those reasons. Same thing with Helton. You can only vote, you can only vote for, well, we were allowed to vote for 10. And you have to take each ballot as, as a separate entity. When, like you mentioned in the beginning, when, when Bonds, Clemens, and uh, people like that are on there, they're taking up space on the ballot. Even though I voted for them every year, I once they go off the ballot, that to me that kind of frees up space for to consider other people, and I think um, both Roland and Helton are benefiting from that. Billy Wagner too, but I don't think Billy's going to have enough votes to uh, to make the seventy five percent. Let's talk about Helton for a second, because in his prime, he was one of the. The, the best hitters in baseball, and he's done something mm -hmm. with five six five seasons of six-plus uh, wins above replacement. Less than 50 players have done that in baseball history, or at least in the modern era. But whenever I think of Helton, and this is not necessarily his fault, Gil, but you got to take in the Colorado – uh, you know, mm -hmm. aspect of this. Sure. And I, I think Helton would have been a great hitter anywhere, but his overall numbers would have not been as good had they not been in Colorado. How much did you weigh that in? I did, except um, I thought he was still a good enough hitter. I, I think there's a lot of stats now that, that look at park factors. I, I think if you do that, then now you got to start looking at pitchers who, who say, pitched in at Dodger Stadium their whole career or Old Shea Stadium. 
the pitchers certainly benefited from that. Uh, you have to just compare them against the players that they were competing against at that time. And I felt that, that his play at first base, his hitting, makes him one of the best choices in this particular ballot. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I really do. Plus, he's a great guy. I mean, that shouldn't that shouldn't be a factor. But but he really is a good guy. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's gonna it's gonna be close uh, with him. But I, I think you're right. I think he's got a good shot to get in. I think Billy Wagner's got a good shot to get in. And, and I'll be honest with you, watching Billy Wagner uh, when I did, I'm like, I, I'm not sure I'm watching a Hall of Famer. I'm watching an uh, an elite level All Star. But is this guy a Hall of Famer? I was surprised when I looked uh, at the overall stats that his ERA is very comparable to Mariano Rivera's. Uh, they're within yeah. a tenth of a point of each other. Uh, the, and his strikeouts per nine innings is the best in baseball history. I didn't know that either for pitchers that have thrown at least 900 innings. Um, where he falls short of Rivera is Rivera pitched a gazillion games in the postseason, and Wagner, I think, threw 11 innings in the postseason. So that's just who you play for. Did you vote for Billy Wagner? I did. Uh, you know, the, the image I have of Billy Wagner, here's a five foot ten guy throwing 102, 103 miles an hour, striking out 12 guys per nine innings. I I just think he was he was a freak show in a lot of ways. And um, at we got to be careful. There's going to be a run of closers in the Hall of Fame if, if voters don't don't watch it. But clearly, he was the best at what he did during his time. I mean, during his he was among the best. Let's put it that way. During his time. We always look at guys in their first year on the ballot and last year on the ballot. So let me start with last year on the ballot first. Jeff Kent is in his last year on the ballot. Voted for him. And, and you voted for him. But by all accounts, he's not getting in. Why did you vote for him, and why do you think he won't get in? I've been voting for him because his numbers stand up as one of the best-hitting second basemen of all time. And his numbers are, if you look at his numbers across the board, with the exception of home runs, they compare very favorable with Fred McGriff, who got in from the the, the, the veterans the contemporary era ballot, I call him the veterans committee. Uh, but RBIs, hits, runs, wins above replacement. He's right there with McGriff, and he did not play a power position. So why do you why do you think he won't? Because they they have polling on all this stuff. We got a decent idea who's going to get in, and Kent's polling at about fifty percent right now. So he's most likely not going to get in. Why do you think people didn't vote for him? I think Kent was, is hurt a little bit because of he, that, that he played with six different teams. He didn't have that one that sole identity that, that some guys get, so he didn't get that boost from that. But this is a guy that, that finished in the top 10 MVP voting four times. But yet, I, I, second base is just an overlooked position. It's just, uh, you know, Lou Whitaker's not in there. Um, Second base is not the position to play if if Hall of Fame is on your your bucket list. No, it's it's a tough uh, it's a tough get. All right, first year on the ballot, Carlos Beltran. You look at him across the board, and there, there's plenty to like. He's got you know 435 home runs, which is uh, in 1500 runs scored and 1500 RBIs. Those are better numbers than Scott Rowland, and he was a very good defender. He's three time Gold Glove, nine time All Star. Uh, and he also stole a, hunt, a ton of bases back when, you know, that was is still a, a part of the game. But Beltran is not polling at all. Uh, Gil, do you think this is all because of the Astros cheating scandal or is there something else here? 
I think most of it's because of the uh, Astros thing. I didn't vote for him, and the reason I didn't vote for him this time is um, my seven were Helton, Roland, Jeff Kent, Billy Wagner. I voted for Gary Sheffield, and I also voted for Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez. I've been voting for the so-called steroids guys uh, from the beginning because I feel that I feel that people uh, of that era were competing against guys who were on who were taking steroids that we don't know about. And there's no question that there's some guys that took PEDs that are already in the Hall of Fame, but we don't know that. And so I'm not going to be selected based on. Uh, People who, who think, well, he looks like he was taking steroids, or uh, I sure think, you know, his hat size is, is bigger now, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and in Beltron's case, I just, I, I, I voted for those seven, and I didn't feel like Beltron distinguished himself enough to belong with that seven. And so I had to make a cutoff somewhere. And, and so Carlos kind of fell in that, that second group. I can see myself voting for Car- Carlos in another year or so. All right. Um, with, with A-Rod and Manny Ramirez, A-Rod's in his second year on the ballot. Ramirez is in his seventh year on the ballot. Gil, it seems to me that these two will probably go the same way as Bonds and uh, and Sosa and uh, and Clemens, that they'll just peter out somewhere. They'll, they'll continue to gain votes, but neither one of them will get enough votes for uh, you know, for induction before their eligibility runs out, and then we'll see what the Veterans Committee does with them. But is there anything out there that might happen, uh, anything that we might find out that would give their candidacy a boost? Well, you know, when the way you get to be a Hall of Fame voter is you, you cover baseball for at least 10 years straight. Um, I started covering baseball in the early 80s, and um, – Guys that writers that uh, that have retired that is they're no longer in the business, they keep their their right to vote for. Uh, I think it's I think it's ten years you're allowed to, as long as you continue to pay dues. But then if you're not covering baseball regularly, you don't get a Hall of Fame vote. And um, I think there's a strong segment of writers who believe in a small baseball Hall of Fame. Who are very much, who very much think it's their moral responsibility to keep steroids guys out of the Hall of Fame, and they they keep voting against or don't vote for the, for those guys. There's approximately 400 voters who writers who vote for the Hall of Fame. Your 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 badge, your 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 uh, your card, your Baseball Writers Association of America card has a number on it. And over the years, mine has gradually gone down. It, it, it tends to go by seniority. And I'm, I'm up to or down to number 114. And what that's telling me is that a lot of these guys are dying off. A lot of my colleagues are dying. It's a sober and thought, Gil. Come that, on. <laughs> and the more of those that are dying, I think the chances of people like Alex Rodriguez of getting in the Hall of Fame are going to increase. I really do. Mm-hmm. I want to, One more before we let you go. Uh, you said you voted for Gary Sheffield. Uh, when I was uh, you know, prepping today, 
I was uh, a little bit surprised, but not completely astonished that Jer- Gary Sheffield produced more runs, like 100 more runs over the course of his career than Ken Griffey Jr. did, which blew my mind. But Griffey had the injuries, and Sheffield, uh, you know, have bat will travel. I mean, this guy, he hit wherever he went. He wasn't, uh, you, you said earlier, Helton's a hell of a nice guy. Sheffield wasn't. But that shouldn't count no. against him because the guy was a great hitter. I watched Gary Sheffield at enough hit at enough different places that when I looked at him, I did say, yes, I think Gary Sheffield's a Hall of Famer. He's probably not going to get in tonight, but he's got a good chance to get in before his eligibility is up, right? Right. He's another guy, you know, he was with eight different teams, so I think that's hurt him. But, God, nobody hit the ball harder. And uh, if once people start, once voters start, looking at him in, in future years, seeing some of those old highlights, how hard he hit the ball, how often he hit the ball. He had 509 home runs. I think that uh, he's going to get a lot of votes in the future, even though he's got a, a little bit of a steroids cloud in his past. Yeah, I, you know, I think if you, you want to say that, I mean, they, they did that with Mike Piazza. They did that with Jeff Bagwell, but they ultimately decided, you know what, these guys weren't in the, either the Balco report or maybe they were. I don't even remember anymore. But they, they were the ones that were admitted and the ones that weren't, and they, they've been put into two, uh, two different classes. I think Sheffield's case is very, very strong. I think yeah, uh, I, I think I he should I think he should get in and all all those teams he played for I'm not sure it doesn't strengthen your argument uh, if I was thinking about it you know we mm-hmm. switch switching leagues back then was a much bigger deal than it is now they pitched in especially you know this in the early 80s they pitched much differently in the American League than they did in the National League <laughs> yeah. uh, and so it, it was a different game and so when you could you could change over like Sheffield did like Freddie McGriff did uh, you know before that that Frank Robinson did I mean to me that was that that added to your case, but we'll watch the vote uh, tonight with great interest. Gil, as always, hey, look, man, we appreciate you. We we're gonna have you back on uh, during baseball season. Sure. Uh, love to uh, love to talk with you again. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes today. To any time, Joe. Take uh, care, uh, Gil Leberton, a longtime writer uh, in Dallas Fort Worth and the Hall of Fame voting coming up tonight. We'll take a break. Uh, Dwayne Colucci in Las Vegas. When we return, this is Handy Time, one zero four five ESPN Baton Rouge. This is Annie Time with Charles Hanegriff on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. We usually like the um, the, the the upbeat, uh, you know, re-enter the bump music and stuff like that. I actually thought about having Mario play something, you know, um, funeral-esque. Somber. Yeah. Uh, you know, because Dwayne Colucci, along with our guy Taylor Sharp, huge Dallas Cowboy fan, and you know, it just didn't work out for the Cowboys on Sunday. But I decided to keep the upbeat music so we can move forward with our lives. Colucci, how you doing, man? <laughs> how did I know you guys were going to give me crap right away off of the game? Yeah, no, look, hey, you, you, know you, you got to pay. You, you, you got a whole, you got a whole week. You, you got to deal with Jimmy on Thursday night, so you got a whole week of this to oh, look forward to. Geez. I, I didn't even think it act, Charlie. But you know what you gotta play. Uh, you gotta play <laughs> same old song and dance. That's the same. That's the song you gotta play as the intro. You know, it's the same same story as a cowboy fan. You know, I guess until they reincarnate uh, Michael uh, Emmett and Troy, we're never gonna win games. You know, but uh, credit to San Francisco. You know, everybody bashes Dallas. 
which actually proves that people do believe that Dallas has the capabilities and probably, uh, from a roster standpoint, could compete with anybody. But let's give San Francisco some credit. I mean, that defense came to play. They forced Dak Prescott into mistakes. Once Pollard went down, that was a huge, huge asset. People don't understand how important he is to that Dallas Cowboy offense. But Brock Purdy didn't make mistakes. Dak Prescott made mistakes. Once again, McCarthy with questionable play calling constantly. Even that last play of the game is so silly. Uh, You know, I don't know what goes through a head coach's head at certain times of the game. But Dallas definitely could have won that game. There were just a few bad tips bad interceptions that were being tipped around, some bad bounces, and before you know it, you know, Kittle was exploiting. They pretty much held the running game in check. It wasn't that bad. Debo wasn't that bad, but tight-fought game in San Francisco. It was entertaining football, but uh, the fourth quarter, you know, Dallas once again just disappeared. Zeke is really having trouble running the ball without Pollard in the game, you know, when you just have him. Schultz had a great game. CD, unbelievable. You see how talented this kid is. Uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. But, uh, you know, San Francisco came through. Credit to Brock Purdy. This is irrelevant. This kid keeps winning games. They're on like a 12-game winning streak now. And we're going to see the true test when they have to go into Philadelphia. You know, everybody's having a good – and I'm, I'm not a Cowboy fan, but everybody's having a good time dancing on Dallas's grave here the last couple of days. I don't see yeah. where this offseason – Uh, for the Cowboys is going to be one of extreme overhaul. This is a roster that was good enough to win 12 games. It was good enough to get into the second round of the playoffs. They've decided that they're going to keep the coach, and they decided last year that this is their long-term quarterback. So this is, to me, it's more of a – how many how many more impact guys can you plug in? Can you put somebody on the side of C.D. Lamb? I like Michael Gallup, but you know he was coming off of a major injury. Do they need an influx of youth in the backfield? I know Zeke's going to take a pay cut. He's just not the back that he once was. There's too many miles on there. You've got one of the biggest impact defenders in Micah Parsons. Can you add one more? To me, um, Dallas can get there if they make just a few key adjust. You know, add just a few key guys. But, Kaluge, the question about Dak Prescott is never going to go away for the public. The organization, to me, made their decision on Dak Prescott last year. When they gave him that contract, they said, you're our guy and you're our guy long term. So they couldn't get rid of him if they wanted to. They made that call. Yeah, it's scary, too, because, you know, when you have an unproven quarterback like Dak Prescott, I mean, at times he shows flashes of brilliance, but he's been injured uh, quite often. And he makes mistakes this year was very uncharacteristic. And, you know, granted, Dallas had a little uh, extra pressure this year because nobody anticipated, Charlie, that the Giants were going to be as good as they were and make a playoff push. Philadelphia overachieved, you know, with that acquisition of A.J. Brown. And getting back to it in the offseason last year, couldn't they have manipulated some space to keep Amari as opposed to Gallup? Like you said, Amari Cooper is a fabulous, fabulous wide receiver and was the number one wide receiver. And they let this guy walk, and he had a fabulous season. So you knew C.D. was going to emerge, don't get me wrong. You have the great tight end, like I said, but you really can't make too many tweaks to this roster. And, uh, you know, McCarthy coached a, a fairly 
decent season. I will say it was above average. He did uh, and got all he could. He won with a backup quarterback for several weeks. You know, so definitely there's not going to be too much movement to this roster. We know how good the defense is in that pass rush. Maybe the secondary, you know, they'll probably look to uh, draft a secondary player. But uh, this team is built to win once again next year, you know. And uh, who's to say that the Giants will be as impressive? Philadelphia will be as impressive. And let's also take into consideration San Francisco had the weakest schedule in the NFL. So that's helping them along with this 12-game winning streak. And it's also helping that uh, Brock Purdy was the benefit of all the mistakes that Dallas made in this conference uh, divisional uh, game. So, you know, I I just don't understand what Jerry Jones could do in the offseason. Everybody is, once again, dancing on our grave, like you said. You know, it's all, all fun because it just shows how popular this team is, whether they're loved or hated, and they're constantly under the microscope. And I'll be honest, the only fence sitter that gets on my nerves when I watch it is Stephen A. Smith. I mean, the guy is just <laughs> out of control. With it. But he brings some great uh, memes and parodies out there, and he really rubs it in our eyes. Uh, you know, so he's doing a great, great job from his entertainment standpoint because he even gets under my skin as a bookmaker. And we did pretty good over the weekend. i got to say, Charlie, it was a great, great weekend of football, and the books did pretty well. I booked some substantial money line weight on the Dallas Cowboys, which was very understandable as many people thought they were going to turn the corner against the rookie quarterback. You know, a little different situation, even though they were on the road as opposed to last year. So uh, a great weekend of football. Uh, We're going to see these championships. This is actually the four best teams in the NFL, in my opinion. So we'll move forward and see uh, how the handle should be off the hook, Charles. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine that the weekend was good for the books, not only with the, the the bets that came in on Buffalo on Sunday, but all of the bets that have been coming in on Buffalo since the end of last year. I mean, these guys were the they were the betting favorites. I mean, they were betting Buffalo with both hands on the futures market. So with the Bills going down, I would imagine that was uh, a pretty nice score for the for the for the books there. Yeah, you saw the line movement in that game, and it was kind of perplexing. I think people just bought into too much of that Cincinnati offensive line being banged up. And what I also mentioned, you know, I was on with Brent uh, before the game on Sunday, and I said, you know, uh, you have to also take into consideration that, uh, you know, this is not as good a defense, in my opinion. Buffalo gave up a lot of points in chunks especially against Miami, you know, so you could see that Buffalo's defense wasn't as good as Baltimore's. And I did say on your show, uh, your and Jimmy show on Thursday, that you will see a different Joe Burrow. I did not care what Tony Romo perceived. Joe Burrow is the man, not Josh Allen. Josh Allen could put up flashy points. He's got Stefan Diggs, you know, he's got all those weapons. But when it comes to winning games and generalship, You look at Joe Burrow, you look at what he did in LSU. Last year was phenomenal. They almost won the Super Bowl. This year, sky's the limit. I mean, you're seeing the action. Now, it's definitely, uh, Charlie, because of the Patrick Mahomes injury. Don't get me wrong. We opened the game at one at the Rampart. Now we're at two. Cincinnati is the favorite. So we opened at Kansas City minus one. Now Cincinnati is minus two. I'm seeing two and a half at other shops definitely because of the Mahomes injury. But, uh, you know, Cincinnati's got their work cut out for them. you got to stop Travis Kelsey. you got to stop these running backs in that backfield, which is just awesome. 
And Kansas City also has a winning tradition and another great quarterback and general in Patrick Mahomes. And he will be out there. I mean, I don't know how long it'll last, cold weather and all that. But this kid is definitely going to try and go out on the field. And they do have one of the better backups in the league in Henny. So, uh, you know, 98-yard touchdown drive when he was pressed into action. This is a fabulous, fabulous matchup. The, uh, you know, the AFC championship game that I wanted, I was preaching it for five weeks that Cincinnati is the hottest team in the NFL. Get a lot of love down here on that uh, because there's a lot of Joe Burrow fans. Let's talk about the NFC championship game. Philadelphia, the most impressive of the winners in the divisional round. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Kaluch, this one has, unlike the AFC game, has really held, or at least I'm showing two-and-a-half. You tell me what uh, you guys got at the Rampart. But um, it, this has held pretty pretty solid since it opened, and you know, getting to that key number of three would be hard. So you tell me what you expect here. Yeah, definitely just because of the San Francisco money uh, at the Rampart South Point. We're at two-and-a-half, Charlie. So we opened the game one and a half, and naturally, uh, you know, I thought we'd get a mixed reaction, but the Sharks more uh, bought into that great Philadelphia performance. You know, Jalen Hurts is healthy now. He looked great. They destroyed the Giants. I mean, the Giants had nothing, and they really showed that they are the class of the NFC. And with that home field, it's going to be very important, you know, to establish that. The crowd is going to be off the hook. It's going to be crazy there. I don't know how San Francisco and Birdie's going to react to that. Now you're facing a premium mucho team on the road, and now is the final test of Brock Purdy's rookie season. But we are seeing some other shops in town, Charlie, have two and a half and the minus 115. So this might get to three. This is a different element than the Dallas Cowboys, obviously. And you're traveling across the country to play in Philadelphia. Weather's going to be much colder there, probably more at first. Hertz and Brown are just unbelievable. That defense at times is unstoppable. I can understand why the public is really strongly backing Philadelphia. But then we'll have that commute late in the week from California, and you're going to get that massive 49er money push because they are going to bet them regardless. So I agree with you, Charlie. Uh, you know, I'm seeing other shops have the 2.5 and, and 115. We're at 2.5 at the Rampart. And the South Point, uh, it's going to be tough to get to three. And if we do go to three, if Chris moves it, we'll get plied with money immediately on that San Francisco side when you go to that key number. So you have to establish, is Philadelphia that good as a bookmaker that you could feel confident laying in excess of three points because then you could get sided on the game if it lands on three, Charlie. Then you're pushing a lot of San Francisco money if you make that move, and you're paying all the Philadelphia money at the minus two and a half. So a, a very careful situation for us bookmakers regarding this NFC championship because the teams are very tightly matched. All right, before we let you go, uh, let's get some uh, some hockey picks. Last week you were one and two, but it was really like you were two and three because the one you gave us was a, a $2 underdog uh, with the Canadians. So, I, you know, I'm counting that as two for three. So what do you like tonight on the ace? <laughs> I appreciate that, Charlie. Well, definitely now we're seeing another element from the Vegas Golden Knights. They're going on the road to New Jersey tonight, traveling across the country, couldn't even win in Arizona the other night. I mean, definitely banged up, uh, a victim of this severe injury bug in the NHL. 
So I definitely like the Devils tonight. I mean, you're laying a, a 180 at the Rampart South Point. I would entertain betting puck line. I don't think that Vegas has the talent to deal with this New Jersey Devil team, which is definitely proven now. And they're creeping up in the standings. Now, you know, you're not going to catch Boston. Let's keep this in mind, Charlie. You know, that's just how it is. But when you have 64 points and you're only two points behind Carolina, you're definitely doing a great, great job. Now, the Devils have been phenomenal on the road, 18-2-2 and on the road, 7-1-2 and in their last 10. They came home. They uh, played an excellent game. Plus 40 goal differential is just monstrous. You have Jack Hughes there, whereas the Vegas Golden Knights are only a plus 17. They played great on the road, but now they're going back to the East Coast. This is a, a banged-up team. I definitely like the Devils, despite how good that the Golden Knights have played on the road. Uh, I was at the game uh, where they actually dominated Washington. Washington did not look good in that game, but Ovechkin didn't play. Now we'll get to that Washington-Colorado game. I like Colorado, and there's flashes of tons of money being bet on Washington tonight. Washington is traveling to Colorado. Colorado has won five in a row, starting to get hot. Alexander Gorgiev, McKinnon's back. Uh, you know, I just think it's a different element. Washington, despite not having Ovechkin, whether they partied, which I believe they definitely did in Las Vegas, Charlie. It's a good town to do that. As, oh, <laughs> you know, it's the best next to yours. Uh, you know, just as flat as a board. And I don't think they're going to just pick right up and be a great, great, uh, you know, play on the road after that flat performance against the Knights. I like Colorado. They're very hot right now. You can lay as low as 118 around town here in Las Vegas. I'm sure you guys could shop in your neck of the woods. Yeah. We got it at 135 at the Rampart in South Point. So, uh, you know, uh, pretty high on Colorado. I think they're the right side in this game. That's why we're leery to move it real quick. So there's two games, and maybe even, uh, you know, my L.A. Kings, they play better on the road as well. You know, I preach them. That this is a position now, Charlie, where you got to win games when you're L.A. because Seattle is very effective, and the Vegas Golden Knights are floundering a little. Yeah. So, you know, 12-8-4 on the road, things may be a play too, Charlie. Kaluch, we always appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Thanks for everything. Oh, thank you, Charlie. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Dwayne Colucci from the South Point and the Rampart. We'll take a break, come back, wrap things up here. Handy Time, 104.5 ESPN, Baton Rouge. This is Handy Time. Big Mike's with live music going on Thursday through Saturday this week. Uh, it's uh, Thursday, it's Tail and Nauta on Friday. Uh, Jared Kelly and Saturday, Titanium Rain. But guess what's back at Big Mike's? That's right, Boil crawfish every day starting at 11 a.m head on out to big mike's for your boiled crawfish and crew of denim springs big mike will be representing uh in the parade he is the grand marshal uh for the denim springs uh parade on february the 11th so if you you see him wave head on over to the restaurant for a, a cocktail and a meal uh, before you head out to the parade big mike's on aspen in denim springs we're kind of a big deal this is Annie Time with Charles Hanegriff on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. All right, we ran over with uh, Colucci, so we are out of time. Arkansas tonight is probably the uh, play. LSU just really, really struggling right now. See you tomorrow.